0: Have you ever wondered what the connection is between clutter, anxiety, and stress? In this episode, I have a special guest on, Emily McDermott, from the podcast Moms Overcoming Overwhelm, and she brings it all. She brings the science between clutter and anxiety. She also brings the how of how to remove things from your home in a way that is gentle and thoughtful and will bring peace to you and your home and your mind. She also really emphasizes the why. Why this is important, why we should release clutter so that we can live a full, meaningful life. I really love this episode. It is it is just jam-packed with all sorts of information and tools and thoughts that are going to fill you. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of planning or goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If that sounds like you, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan podcast. I'm Danielle McGue. I'm a professor, mom, and business owner. I started this podcast to help hardworking women and high-achieving mamas Plan and set goals playfully and lightly. Unlike pressure-filled approaches, Plan Goal Plan centers on what delights you to help you envision all the possibilities your future holds. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I'm going to guide you through practices that will help you plan for clarity, set goals for direction, and act with purpose and delight. Let's get started. I am so excited for today's guest, Emily McDermott. Emily is a wife, a mother of two energetic boys, and a simplicity seeker. I love that. She's also the host of a top 2% globally ranked podcast. That's awesome, by the way. Get it? (laughs) Moms overcoming overwhelm. Isn't that great? On her podcast, she helps moms declutter their homes, their heads, and their hearts. So, Emily enjoys writing poetry, dancing, and eating peanut butter out of the jar. So, I know that Emily's a good person because she eats peanut butter from the jar. That's awesome. So, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us a little bit about your story and your journey.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, Danielle. And yes, um, I'll just tell you this morning, we asked my five-year-old what he wanted for breakfast and he said peanut butter. So he literally had a bowl of peanut butter for breakfast. (laughs) So it apparently is being passed down through the generations. But um, yeah, I'm Emily and I have been married to my husband, Pat, for 14 years. He is actually in the Air Force, but we're permanently stationed here. So it's been kind of a different military experience. Uh, And we have two very energetic boys that are five and six and a half. And I have been a stay-at-home mom since my oldest was born. And I've blogged and I write poetry on the side. So if you need a custom poem for a special occasion, then I'm your girl. And then I also have started recently this podcast where kind of how we connected is in the podcast space called Moms Overcoming Overwhelm. So it's kind of like, okay, where does all the decluttering stuff come into my story? After my husband and I got married, we knew we wanted to have a family. And unfortunately, we were dealing with infertility that followed um, a miscarriage. And so we're like, okay, what you know, what's going on? Why can we not get pregnant? And we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility, which is pretty much there's no specific reason. You just have trouble conceiving, So at that point I was working full time. I was saying yes to all of the things, including, you know, pretty much all the volunteer obligations, anything anyone ever asked of me and just felt very overwhelmed in my home, felt overwhelmed with my schedule. And I realized that I felt like I had been called to be a mother, that this is what I was supposed to be. And yet I could not conceive and have this baby come into our lives if my home and my calendar were stuffed with all of, you know, stuff. (laughs) And so that, that point, right when we were about to start in vitro fertilization, I learned about decluttering and simplicity and minimalism and the light bulb went off. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can make the physical and emotional space that I need For This baby that we want to have if I'm able to start this process. So like many people, I started with my physical space and decluttering uh, my home and then was able to kind of work into more of the calendar and kind of the mental clutter. And luckily, we were able to conceive our oldest uh, via IVF. And then our second was a what we call uh, our free baby, because it was he was a surprise. And then I had two under two and was not expecting to, and we're definitely struggling. I was definitely struggling just with postpartum anxiety and just feeling like there were so many decisions that people were asking me to make, and I just could not handle more like the decision side of it. And so then it was really simplifying and streamlining the decisions I was making. And both of those things have really the decluttering, simplifying, and I guess decision simplifying really has helped me in every season of my motherhood up to this day. So it's still, you're never at the finish line with decluttering as long as you're changing and your kids are changing. It's an ever evolving process, but it's something that I love now to teach women to know, Hey, you can actually find joy in your life and motherhood. You don't have to feel like you're this full-time stuff manager and you just feel this overwhelm all the time. So, yeah. So I'm really happy. I can kind of show women the path that I've been on.
0: That's amazing. I think it's so wild. The ways that we take on all of these things, we carry all of these, you know, responsibilities. And we sometimes feel like those are the things that are going to be our ticket out. If I get this opportunity, or if I'm able to buy this product, then I have my ticket out. But oftentimes, it's actually that simplification and that decluttering That creates the space for the thing that we really need. What um, an amazing story and journey. I know that I personally have experienced a lot of connection. I can feel it between clutter and anxiety and stress. Can you explain to me, like, is it really there, that connection? And like, what's, what makes that connection?
1: Yeah, definitely. First of all, it's not just you. (laughs) Um, And I actually recently found out about this concept of being a highly sensitive person, HSP. Mm. And if you actually search that, there's like a quiz you can take to kind of figure out if you are highly sensitive. Well, I am sensitive to noise. I am sensitive to caffeine. I am sensitive to all of these things in my environment. And I always wondered, why do I feel this visceral overwhelm when I'm surrounded by all of this stuff? So that is Part of it kind of recognizing it about myself. However, for everyone, there is definitely this connection between clutter and stress, as well as other aspects of our well being. And I'm always happy. I wrote a pretty extensive blog post with the links to the studies because I kind of geek out on the science part. So I'm happy to share that um, with your listeners. But There's three studies I wanna mention very quickly. One is finding the connection between clutter and your sleep quality decreasing. So if you're in a cluttered bedroom, your actual sleep quality decreases and you have more sleep disturbances, which is not too surprising, but you don't think, oh, wow, that's like a fundamental thing and it's impacting my sleep. Also, if you are in a messy kitchen, a cluttered kitchen, one study in 2016 found if women were given the option between cookies, carrots, and crackers, they picked the cookies because you're in a stressful environment. You're going to be reaching for the junk food rather than for the healthy choices. And so that is what you're eating, how you're sleeping. And then the third one is from 2010 where the, the researchers followed couples around and the women who were describing their homes as messy or cluttered or undone, disorganized. They actually, when they took saliva samples had higher cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone than people that were talking about their home and saying, Oh yes, it's very cozy. It's comfortable. You know, it's relaxing. Interestingly enough, the women that were describing their homes as this cluttered mess, (laughs) Uh, they had greater fatigue and they also had more trouble transitioning from work to home. And the husbands, interestingly enough, did not show the same cortisol rise. So I talked to a lot of moms that are like, I don't know what it is, but my husband just doesn't seem to like notice it. (laughs) And it's just so interesting to see that. And it's probably because as, as women at least in the United States, the traditional role is that we're more of the keeper of the home and the home manager. So the researchers thought maybe that was the cause of the difference. So yes, those are some of the uh, research studies that I geek out on. The only final thing I'll say is when it comes to focus and attention, when you look around your space, if there's clutter there, our brain sees it as undone tasks. So you see the laundry. Oh, I have to do that. I need to put that away. I need to do those dishes. I need to do that. So you're not able to really focus because your brain keeps registering all these things that you have to do. And so that can impact your anxiety if you feel really scattered and unfocused. So there's
0: some science for you. I hope that helps. As a professor, I am so excited that you are citing studies. It makes me very, very happy. The the last thing that you were talking about with focus and all of these different things that you need to do, I sometimes call it like my invisible to-do list, that if I can see these things that need tending to, psychologically, I'm like noting that there's something that needs to get done. I'm very interested in the gendered aspect of things as well. And how we navigate these gendered roles and how that impacts how we communicate who's going to do what in the house and how we manage it and everything. We make so many decisions and those decisions can really impact our stress and anxiety. What are some ways that we can simplify our decisions?
1: Uh, supposedly, and of course, depending on what study you look at, the number varies, but I have seen that supposedly we make 35,000 decisions a day. And I always say it's probably more for moms because we are making decisions on behalf of our kids and you know what they're maybe wearing, what they're eating, what they're doing. And so there is this concept in psychology called choice overload, which means that you know, we like the freedom of choice, especially in the United States. If we only had one option for everything, we would probably be very upset. <laughs> But it's good to have some choice and your happiness increases, but then at a certain point when there are too many choices, your happiness decreases considerably because it is too overwhelming. And then I always use the example of, let's say my kids need new socks and I go on Amazon and then I start comparing and I look at reviews and then I go down the rabbit hole of like, well, this person said their socks lasted for three years, but this person said that they wore out in two weeks. So what am I supposed to believe? And then an hour later, you haven't bought any socks because you are kind of going down this rabbit hole and you have analysis paralysis, or you feel like, oh, I have buyer's remorse because I made the wrong decision, or you are just avoiding the decision altogether because you're like, okay, I'll just buy them socks later. They're fine. You know, they will just, it's almost summer. Let's just get them in their bare feet (laughs) and you just don't buy socks. So when you recognize that more stuff means more choices between that stuff. And then you have decision fatigue, which is the deteriorating quality of your decisions over the course of a time period. For me, it's over the course of a day where I'm about to go to sleep. And if my husband asks me any question that requires a lot of thought, I'm like, no, thanks. (laughs) Let's not talk about taxes. Let's not talk about, you know, vacation planning. Like, I don't want to do any of that. So the the best thing to start with is recognizing that there are some choices you can control. There are some decisions that you can remove or to decide once on something that might be for me every day. I know that I'm going to be doing my laundry because I just don't want to think about it. I don't have to get up and say, I wonder if I'm going to do the laundry today. I've just made the choice. It's done. I know generally that I'm eating the same things, that I do the same person that I do my workout with. I come downstairs, I go to YouTube, you know, those types of things. You're like streamlining things so your brain power can be freed up for what actually matters. So that would be, I think, the first thing see what decisions you can control. And then recognizing the connection between the amount that you own and the choices you need to make. So let's use our closet as a universal example. You go in, If you have 50 pairs of pants and 30 shirts and 50 pairs of shoes, you're going to have to make a more difficult choice than someone that has a limited wardrobe of 10 pairs of pants and five pairs of shoes and five shirts. It's just math. So if you recognize, okay, if I'm able to reduce my stuff, then I reduce my choices. I reduce my decision fatigue and just recognizing as the day goes on. Your decision-making muscles are going to get weaker. So if you have important decisions to make, try to make those near the beginning of the day. So those would be my tips around that.
0: I think it's really interesting to think about the way in which choice has its limitations and the ways in which choice is using up our energy. So I really like to release clutter. I feel really good if I fill up a garbage bag full of stuff that does not need to be in the house. It's, it's a visceral, it is a physical release that I feel. But my husband and my son, my daughter's kind of like me, they both really get attached to things. And for them, the release isn't relieving. It is full of anxiety and stress. So we know that sometimes we need to relieve stress by letting go of things. But how do we let go of things gently?
1: Yes. And it is also understanding the differences and how people have different relationships with stuff. And I'm very similar to you and your daughter, I kind of always have been, but until I got into this field, I didn't realize, you know, that, that I was, but yes, I mean, the first thing is recognizing that when you are starting any sort of decluttering journey, you're starting with your own stuff. Everyone's on a different path. Do not go and grab all of the husband's random t-shirts all over the floor and be like, well, you obviously don't wear these and you know, throw them in a the garbage bag. Yeah. Don't do that. But I think that where people get tripped up kind of goes back to some of these very fundamental mindset shifts, which is the reason that we are clinging so tightly to stuff. And One of those I like to talk about is the abundance versus scarcity mentality. Now, sometimes people laugh. They're like, abundance? Yeah, have you seen my house? I have plenty of abundance. Thank you. I'm like, no, no, that's not what I mean. So scarcity mentality is kind of how, at least in the United States, we've been culturally conditioned. You look at advertisements. They're telling us that we, as we are, are not enough and that we need something in order to be enough. And if you buy such and such thing, you're going to be that. And so our self-worth is more determined on performance. We're constantly comparing ourselves. We, you know, think that our security is found in our belongings, our roles, like what we do, that kind of thing. And if someone is getting something, that means it's less for me. So instead of having this place where we are grateful for what we have and content with what we have. And therefore we can be generous in giving what we don't need. So I kind of use this visual of you can't surrender to what your life is supposed to be, whether that come from a faith perspective or not, but you can't surrender to that. If your hands are closed and you're clinging to your stuff, you have to have that surrender And so I think that recognizing like, am I having a scarcity mentality about this where I might need it someday or I paid so much for it and I don't want to let it go or I don't want to donate it because maybe I could get $5 on it in marketplace or whatever the case may be that's kind of this scarcity mentality where you feel like what you have now is not enough and it's hard to focus on how you're maybe able to bless other people if you kind of feel like this this visceral like no I don't I don't want to let go so it is it is a process but I would say that's kind of the first overarching mindset shift that can help you and others more easily release and like you said let go gently of, of what you no longer need.
0: And I love that, that it's actually an abundance mindset, the like belief that there is more and that you will be okay with what you have that gives you permission to let go because it is counterintuitive. That's lovely. Are there other sorts of mindset shifts that we can work on, learn about so that we can feel more comfortable letting go of clutter?
1: Yeah, definitely. I love this one. And I think that this actually might be more something that the moms I work with, they really struggle with, which is your true realistic self versus your aspirational self. So a lot of times we are holding on to clothes that were you know, five years and two kids ago, or we're holding on to the aspirational crafts or projects or hobbies that we're going to get to someday, if only we had the time for it, which never seems to happen. And if you are able to accept kind of where you are in this season and recognize, you know what, This is just not something that can happen for me right now. I don't have the time to do the scrapbooking. You know, I have a friend, she finally, after talking to me, she let go of a sewing machine she had had for seven years, which she hadn't touched in all of that time. Because she's like, I'm not realistically going to be doing this, these sewing projects, I would rather Bless someone else. And if I want to do sewing once my kid is in, you know, school or whatever and I have more bandwidth, then great. But I think that recognizing that it's very easy to have these representations or stuff or like representations of former selves. And it can make us feel bad about ourselves, honestly, because we're like, why don't I fit into those clothes? And why don't I do this activity anymore? And for example, I had my yearbook that I was holding on to. And I was like, why am I holding on to this? And I looked at it and I was like, who are these people, (laughs) you know? And so I actually was able to let go. You're thinking of the past. Was I even happy in high school? Like, I don't think so, but I thought, oh, I'm supposed to keep my yearbook because that's what you do. A lot of times the stuff that we have, it not only has physical space, but it's taking up that emotional space and has emotional weight. And you need to be able to release yourself from that if it's not supporting who you are now and who you are right now like realistically in this season. So I think that would be the second main shift I would recommend.
0: So interesting the ways that our identities are so wound up in our stuff and kind of like that invisible to-do list when you see all the cups on the counter that are really around the entire house that needs to be taken to the dishwasher you see that as a to-do list When you see that sewing machine, you can think, oh gosh, I should be sewing and I'm not. What a failure. And so, what you're doing is you're really meeting yourself where you're at and giving yourself permission to be where you are by saying, it's okay for me to let go of the sewing machine. And there are other sewing machines. And someday, when I'm ready, I'll sew again. And I think that it's kind of beautiful. It's letting yourself be where you're at without shame. That's wonderful. Where do you suggest that an overwhelmed mom start with decluttering?
1: Yes. Well, coming back to the sentimental or aspirational items, the ones that are very imbued with emotion, you don't want to start there. (laughs) So that's, that's the easy answer. Don't start with the most sentimental stuff. I actually recommend starting in a place that's not even in your home, which is your car. And the reason is that it's a small contained space when you're looking at stuff in there it's mostly trash or things that you can easily make decisions about because we want to be able to make those easy decisions so we can start strengthening those decision making muscles because you I always think cuz I do strength training you encounter resistance as you are trying to make these decisions so you kind of want to start with the things that are the the lighter weight things which is your car also your bathroom if you have expired medication or You know, makeup that you don't even know when you bought it. That's pretty easy decision making. And, or like your laundry room. Um, If there's, oh gosh, wow, we don't use that laundry detergent anymore. We haven't for years. Let's get rid of that. So, starting with those unemotional, unsentimental areas, really build the momentum, build the habit. And then you can move into some of the more areas like, that are shared spaces, like your kitchen or your living room, and then getting to your bedroom and your closet and that kind of stuff. So yeah, starting with those unemotional places and then go go from there.
0: And I love that because I do know that when you get into that rhythm of discarding or organizing, you know, really any kind of cleaning, you kind of get in a groove and it's contagious, right? So I like that starting where it's simple, building up those muscles and, you know you'll you'll have this energy that will take some it will create momentum, and you'll just take off. Anything else?
1: Yeah, I think that you were talking about this with building momentum. When I do decluttering challenges in my in my group, we do fifteen minutes a day for five days, and the reason is that you just want to be building the habit and recognizing like, okay, I can find the fifteen minutes of my day. Everything adds up. You know, just really kind of focusing on those um, small wins. And that has been really helpful, especially when you have overwhelmed moms that they're like, I, hey, maybe now I know where to start, but I have no idea how I'm going to fit it in. And the only other suggestion I would have is using something called the container concept. So I'm going to use you as an example, even though people can't see you, that you have the bookshelf, you know, the shelf in the back. So you would, if you're like, okay, this is my contained space for my reference books or whatever, since you're a professor, then you could take those all off. And you're like, okay, what are the things that I'm using constantly, constantly referencing, reading all the time, start with those, put those back first. Then you go to the maybes like, oh, I haven't really looked at this in a little bit. And then if you run out of space, then that is the space. You have to create these artificial boundaries because for the most part, we have more space in our home than what we can actually manage and what is our capacity to manage. But we're like, oh, well, I have the space for it. I might as well fill it up. Well, sometimes we have to have artificial boundaries set So that we can make decisions and then not be overwhelmed because the stuff ends up everywhere. So that would be probably my final recommendation is to set those artificial boundaries and the containers so you're able to make decisions within that allotted space.
0: I love the container concept. And I also know that I learned this from listening to your podcast to recognize that in some ways that we've thought about our houses. As what that's our capacity, but that we need to actually look to ourselves and our emotional capacity, our time capacity, and use that as our containers, as opposed to sometimes our physical spaces, because otherwise we fill up our physical spaces with stuff and our capacity does not match these big old homes that we've bought. And so I really, really, really appreciate um, your episode on capacity. Emily, it is so clear to me that you really have a gift around this. It's just been a joy to have this conversation with you. I feel like I've learned a lot. If my listeners wanted to take your challenge, if they wanted to learn more from you, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, well, thank you so much. And it's just been I don't know, such a pleasure. I love sharing this information and I love doing the how, but the why is really kind of where my, where my heart is, because I feel like sometimes when we're so overwhelmed, we need that deeper reason, like why we're doing it in the first place. So thank you so much. And I am found at my podcast, Moms Overcoming Overwhelm. And then the Facebook group where we do every other week, these decluttering challenges, is you can just go to tinyurl.com forward slash moms overcoming overwhelm. And we would love to have you and just try to work together to get through some of this stuff so that we can live more in alignment with what we, what we're meant to be. So thank you so much.
0: That's wonderful. And I'll make sure to include in my show notes, all of the things that y'all need to get in touch with Emily. Thank you so much, Emily. Yeah. Thank you. If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all, so pop on Instagram and follow Plan Goal Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.